When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Jahan Jones. What's up, y'all? I'm still tearing black as hell, Finley. <laughs> <laughs> and it's your boy Shaquille Romblay and Taryn, who runs the world? Girls. <laughs> Wait, why you ask Taryn? I mean, because I'm a woman. <laughs> what? Jahan. I mean, but that's that's a question everybody knows the answer. Everybody should, us. but guess what? I'm an answer. It Word. is girls. <laughs> Jahan, you're gonna you're, you're gonna give it to us too. Give it to us. I mean, I don't even know now. Like, mm, just it, like it, a man. It's a genuine. question. It's a genuine. question. Girls. I'm kidding. <laughs> As we dive into Women's History Month, you feel the love, you feel the gratitude. But we also can't ignore that it's been a whole year, y'all, since COVID changed all of our lives, for the worse for me. So let's get into what women are going through right now. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the unemployment rate for women has hit a major 33-year low. But annoyingly, Black women are facing a major job crisis. Annoyingly, but also not surprisingly, because this is honestly something that has been going on and the pandemic has worsened a lot of shit that black women are facing. You know, black women are heavily employed in retail and childcare, which have been hit hard by the pandemic. And let's not even get into, you know, the medical field. Like, you know, we are there, we are present, we are the first responders, but Ironically, Black women, many who are also working mothers, heads of their households, they also comprise a bulk of essential work during the pandemic. More than 154,000 Black women left the workforce in December alone. That is just in December of 2020, you know, when the pandemic had hit, what, like the, the nine month mark. And it's just really telling of who's getting priority as far as like who is being taken care of and who is being protected. Because not only are black women, you know, in these roles, but we're also disproportionately impacted by the virus itself and not at the forefront when it comes to access, having access to the vaccine, having access to, you know, relief efforts. It really is just thing on top of thing on top of thing that continues to hold us down. And it's a heavy weight. It is truly a heavy weight. Yeah. And you know, the crazy thing about it is with financial loss, right? Black women tend to be the heads of their households. So therefore with kids not being able to go to schools, when black women deal with a child that they may not have access to education, they have to step up and take care of their children. Right. In addition to that, this puts black women in a worse circumstance because black women, even let's say they have a degree, they are more likely to have more aggressive student loans. They're more likely to ha- be impacted by their financial student loans. So it just continues to show. People say, show up for black women. Black women consistently save the day. But this is what we mean when we say protect and stand up for black women. Who is standing up for black women? How are they getting the resources they need? And what can we do to get them those resources? Because they're always standing up for everybody else. That's a great point. I think, especially with this being Women's History Month, we should treat this 
like we treat Black History Month in that we're not focusing solely on the history that's already been created, but like also on the people who are crafting that history in real time amid all of these like horrific conditions we're all experiencing, you know? And so I think it's so important to highlight the people who are doing the work in the here and now, just as important as it is for us to see, you know, like glowing packages on the news about women during the 1960s and women in the past. There's this need, I think, to to acknowledge the past, but also acknowledge people doing that work in the in the in the real time. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. You know, one thing that um you said, Shaquille, that stuck out is you know black women are continuously saving everyone else. But here's the thing, and um I wrote this in um a piece that I did in February last month, talking about black women's political powers and us consistently showing up. We're not showing up for everyone else. We're showing up for ourselves because we are the ones who constantly have to fight for ourselves. And America and honestly, everybody else makes the grave mistake of thinking that this is for them, that, oh, like, let's praise black women. Let's thank black women. Let's do do this because they saved us yet again. And the fact of the matter is, yes, when you when you uplift, when you protect, when you serve the uh, most marginalized, everyone benefits from that. That is just point blank, period. Everyone benefits from that. But you make the mistake of thinking that this is about you and you end up erasing our pain. You end up erasing, you know, the um, the intent behind this, which is to make sure that y'all know that we have a voice, we have power, and we're going to show up time and time again. That's why you have, you know, folks like uh, Latasha Brown with Black Voters Matter, who really did the damn thing and helped flip Georgia, you know, and, and, and so many other organizers and actors, not even just in the um, political realm, but also in other areas, you know, think about uh, when we when we talk about the workers and we talk about the, the people who have been uh, most impacted, even outside of the organizers. I'm thinking about like, you know, sex workers. I'm thinking about teachers. I'm thinking about, you know, all these jobs that hold so much dignity, but are constantly either under attack or people try to take the dignity out of them, especially because of who is comprising this this kind of workforce. These are the people who are making, are, are driving our economy, making our world go round. And consistently black women are being ignored in that. Yeah, and it's just like when the when black women struggle, you have to understand everyone in the black community struggle, right? Because black mothers, 67.5% of them tend to be the breadwinners of their household. So if a black woman does not have access to finances or the resources that she needs to take care of her family, what do you think happens to her kids? And this is how this consistently trickles all the way down. And I will never forget Biden's inauguration when he won his presidential speech. He told black people, I have your backs, you have had mine. So I think it's time for him to show what it means to have our backs and step up to the plate. And hopefully we could find some type of policies to protect and serve black women. And that includes black trans women. Like exactly. when, when we say black women, we mean all black women. Okay. So I don't, I don't want y'all to get that twisted. This conversation includes and always will include on, and that's that. And wherever we hold, uh, hold space, it, it will always include trans women. We have to take a real quick break. But when we return, we salute some phenomenal women who are making a positive impact in their communities, the nation, and the world. 
And that's that. Stay with us, y'all. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. As we know, we're witnessing this and experiencing this convergence of crises where we have the the pandemic, um, we have the climate crisis, and we have... Uh, the fallout of the climate crisis that we've seen throughout the South. You know, I'm thinking of the the Jackson water crisis where many have gone for weeks without water. And that just is a a constant reminder as we see these things unfold of the people who are at the forefront of the fight against these crises. And very often they're black women. I'm thinking of women like Dr. Marcella Nunez Smith, who leads President Biden's health equity task force. Uh, That was a group assembled to devise solutions to the country's deeply inequitable and racist healthcare system. I'm thinking of women like uh, Kismekia Corbett, who's one of the lead immunologists in the country. I'm thinking of, uh, as I mentioned, the climate crisis that we've seen ravaging the South, but also some of the fallout of that, the Jackson water crisis, where many have gone weeks without water. Some of the women who have been providing water to the citizens of Jackson belong to the Mississippi Black Women's Roundtable. So there are these women who've really been coalescing in these moments of crisis to provide aid to people desperately in need. And during Women's History Month, as we are so inclined to celebrate the women of the past, it's just so important to celebrate, as I said, the women doing the work in the here and now to save the world, quite honestly. Jahan, I've been following the Jackson water crisis this week, and I am so fearful of what the next environmental crisis will be. Because I I truly do believe that it will be it it will be around water. It is already here, you know. It's already been here in Flint. Like you literally have an eight year old young girl who started. Well, she's thirteen now, but Mari Copney, um, who is Little Miss Flint. You have a child advocating for clean water, a, a young black girl advocating for clean water, and you know. This goes back into the adultification and the responsibility that we put on young black girls and how they carry that into adulthood. Like black girls are never just able to be black girls. You know, there was a study in 2017 by Georgetown's Law Center on Poverty and Equity. It was titled Girlhood Interrupted the Erasure of Black Girls' Childhood. And it cited that Black girls are viewed as less innocent than white girls starting at age five. Like literally age five, you are viewed as an adult. Regardless of race, people are looking at you and believing that you have more responsibility than other children. When you think about it and and, and you think about the weight that we ask young Black girls to carry, I, I think about that um, video that was viral over the summer um, during the protests after George Floyd's death. And I, I know y'all saw that uh, that little girl, she had like braids and beads in her head and she was just just so, uh, so irate and so passionate. And, you know, a lot of people heralded 
that image as like, oh yes, this is the future. I couldn't yes that. I couldn't yes that because that hurt me. That hurt me to see that this, this young girl is out here fighting for her life, fighting for the lives of those who look like her at such a young age when she should be out climbing trees. She should, she should be playing on her tablet. She should be like wondering, getting into shit, figuring out what she wants to be when she grows up. She shouldn't have to bear that responsibility. And I kind of went on a tangent there, but to go back to the environmental racism thing, yes, we absolutely should be looking at how the environments in which the most marginalized folks are in, the environments where black women are like consistently having issues, um, um, health issues. Like we, we need to be pouring into these environments to make sure that they are healthy and safe to live in, you know, cause we are fucking dying and I'm tired of it. Like I'm mad y'all. Like I wake up every day. I, I wake up every day and, and am reminded of how the world wants to kill me as a black woman. And, and that's the thing, right? With COVID-19, they were like, the administration at the time was not prioritizing pandemics and the fact that a pandemic could possibly happen. And I've seen other administrations not prioritize environmental work as we've seen with Flint. And I hope to God that we don't have to have an, another environmental crisis that's impacting nations upon nations for people to get real and understand that things could get ugly. I mean, y'all both hit it right on the head, I think. The environmental crisis is just a legitimately dreadful thing to consider because it's so it's it's imminent. It's here. And when you see the scarcity this world is experiencing kind of rear itself on TV in the form of people, you know, waiting in in hours long lines to get water and boiling rainwater. And people and still having to pay their water bills. Yes, and people traveling miles to get bottled water and not being able to bathe. These are conditions that, when they occur in other countries, we send, you know, human rights officials in to investigate. And so, it's just frightening to see not only these instances taking place, but just the impotence of the government or the local governments in dealing with these things. It reminded me. There's a movie called Soylent Green that came out back in the day. Yeah, it stars this, you know, this actor, Charlton Heston. And the premise is that there's this world of scarcity um, where there's overpopulation, there's pollution taking place. There's actually a climate catastrophe. And in this movie, in order to deal with this overpopulation, the poor people are actually turned into this food called Soylent Green. But the premise of this movie is that in societies, the people who are most often at risk are the disenfranchised, the marginalized people. And that has just been like this recurring theme in my mind. I watched this movie back in the day and it's, you know, kind of like this campy 1960s film, but it had this air of surreality that I feel like I'm living in right now. In the movie, there's this famous line where Charlton Heston yells, he says, Soylent Green is people. He's like trying to tell everybody, yo, you're, they're putting you into this food that they're feeding to the rest of you. And when I just see the kind of impotent ability of the government to deal with these crises that we're all experiencing, and also this kind of public ignorance about the crises, it, it's a dreadful thing to kind of grapple with. And I think especially as we reach this one year anniversary of coronavirus and we're seeing these 
crises converge. It's just been at the top of my mind. I'm hoping people wake up a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, as we have these conversations, it makes me really worried for the next generation in our society. Because like you said, Taryn, it's almost as if Black people have no choice but to grow up and be political because of all of the things that they see. There's kids who are watching George Floyd die. Um, I was in, in college when I saw, you know, what happened with Michael Brown. So kind of what you see in our culture, it kind of forces Black people mm-hmm. to be political. And a lot of times when you see Black children being outspoken, like Taryn said, people celebrate that as, oh, they're woke. Oh, I can't wait to see the future of them. But these kids don't have a choice. They're fighting and screaming for their lives. And it seems yeah. like each generation is fighting and screaming for their lives. A lot of people don't realize just how much sexism plays into like whose stories get uplifted. Black women have led movements time and time again, whether it be, you know, you you think about um, Marsha P. Johnson um, at the Stonewall uprising. You think about the black women who marched in the first women's suffrage movement, even though those same white women that they marched with were trying to shut them out. And, Going back to um, my conversation with Latasha Brown, one thing that she mentioned is that, you know, for so long we've been the backbone and our work has been erased from a lot of these movements. But now, right now, I'm young, so I don't I don't want to speak out of turn, but it feels like, you know, black women are more empowered to take those steps of leadership and like be out and, and demand what we are owed. Because we are owed a fucking lot. Yeah, and I mean, as I think about how much we owe Black women, I always want to celebrate the Black women in my life and the Black women far and wide. And Jahan, Taryn, we all are Black folks in media. And I know that this could be a very, very crazy roller coaster of an industry. But every single environment that I've been in, I've always had one or two Black women kind of protect me, guard me, uplift me, guide me. The the first day of work always, you know, tag me on my back and be like, hey, here's this resource. And I just want to celebrate all the Black women who work in media because they really, really hold it down. Even if this is something as simple as saying, Taryn did this for me. Hey, here's a Black employee resource group that we go to. Here's the conversations that we have. Name so, them. Name them. Because yeah. I think that's important. I think yeah. all, and I think as we talk about moving away from erasure and really shining the light, like name them. Like like use this time to name those those Black women. Izzy is my mentor, who is our producer as well. And Izzy has done so much for my career. I can go yes. on and on from helping with resumes to connecting me with jobs. We have Ray Lynn, who's an EP at MSNBC, who as soon as she saw me, she took down my information and was like, hey, we have Mackenzie Marshall. We have Mary Wilson. Mackenzie, who's your Delta sister, she was a PA when I was an AP and still had my back and looked out for me and protected me. And Mary, who sent me so much resources, Asia, who gave me a job, gave me a job at HuffPost, and Joanna Preston. They have just always been a black woman to kind of shield me, guard me, protect me, and stand up for me when sometimes I wouldn't even want to stand up for myself. So I always got to say the black women in media hold it down consistently. Word. Yeah, that's absolutely been my experience, too. I remember when I first moved out to New York City. Um, I was working in the page program, but what brought me out here was I used to, uh, tweet at the producer of the Melissa Harris Perry show saying I desperately wanted to work for that show. And when I got there, it was just a, a, a band of women who were able to kind of like show me the ropes of the industry, show me how stories are told, 
Um, and all of that is still like fueling me to this day. You know, I think that's the to go back to the point I was making initially. This being Women's History Month, and th there's this inclination I think from large corporations to large media organizations to celebrate just the women of the past. And I think we really do need to do more, as Terrence said, as Shaquille said, to highlight the people who are making these contributions and framing our history right now. Mm-hmm. Agree. Agree. Um, yeah, I want to I wanna take the time out to also name some of the women who have either helped me or inspired me um, on my journey. Um, of course, I have to, you know, start with my the matriarch of my family, Amelia Balls, who moved um, to Dayton, Ohio, um, uh, uh, during the Great Migration, and 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 really took root there and and started, um, you know, and and raised a huge family um, that would beget my mom, Rhonda Ball, who is an amazing inspiration for me and has um, been, is the person who really allowed me to learn and lean into my voice. Um, and, you know, and, and, and encouraged me to even get into media in, in the first place. Um, and some of the women who have been there for me consistently, um, Corey Murray was um, my boss at Essence and, you know, she got me my first national byline and, and that meant everything for me. And that um, allowed me to to move on um, to HuffPost under Lily Workna, who uh, has served as a friend and, and mentor for me in, in so many capacities and is just a literal inspiration, even down to, you know, my current manager, Aaron Evans, who is amazing and has helped me take my writing to the next level. And there are so many other people um, that, that I have to mention, uh, Julia Craven, who um, advocated for me when, you know, I wasn't able to advocate for myself time and time again. So, so many people, uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones, whose work I just admire and who always makes a point to see young black journalists, like literally see us. Everywhere that I've gone, where I've been able to rise up, there's been a black woman who has held my hand or, you know, propped me up on her shoulders. And I'm just so ever, ever thankful for that. When when we talk about like moving from, from um, Black History Month to Women's History Month, I, I just feel so privileged and empowered because um, I'm black and a woman. And I think that that is so powerful and we cannot, we cannot understate the power in that. So I always use March to celebrate black women, you know, well, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, all the time, but you know, yes. Mar March, especially. Yeah. It should be, it should be an ever present celebration, but you know, we're happy to remind people this month. There's this meme of a baby with his mom, and he's like, Mom, are you a superhero? She was like, I'm a black woman raising a son in America. Superman don't got nothing on me. Period. And that's a fact. Period. But I also want to say, black women, once again, we are not your superheroes. Okay? We are, even though we saved the day time and time again, <laughs> y'all need to start pulling y'all fucking weight because we're human. Okay? All of that. And that's that, right? And that's that. And that's that. 
And that's that for this week, y'all. We just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to all the beautiful, courageous, amazing black women out there who are running the world and doing it flawlessly. And even if you ain't doing it flawlessly, girl, it's okay. We in a pandemic. I see you. Keep your bonnet on. Our show is produced and edited by Izzy. It's the fire in my eyes and the flash of my teeth, the swing in my waist, and the joy in my feet. All right, Maya, that's <laughs> Nick Offenberg and Sarah Patterson. I'm Jahan Jones. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Jahan. I'm Taryn Finley. You can find me at underscore Taryn It Up. And I'm your boy, Shkiel Romblay. Follow me at Romblay everywhere. We'll be back next week. Until then, you know what to do. Keep it juicy. Juicy fruit. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.